I would much prefer the $25 beers. My $100 fondue. This is Tall Can Audio. Away we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Matt Robinson with you in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Uh, make sure you're following along on social media at Tall Can Audio and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, sitting across the table tonight from our buddy AJ Jackiebeck. What's happening? Matt, how are you? Great to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm relieved you're here. Uh, you've pulled me away from a Leaf game that yeah, that's is not going my way. Yeah, I know you're all tore up about it. Um, Still have all these goofy books and <laughs> pictures up of Leafs. Yeah. I feel I'm not, like I'm in hostile territory. Every time you come in here, you're taking a swipe at the studios. But last, it, right when you come in the door, we've got a, sh- uh, a thing hung up there of Jose Bautista with the bat flip. I know you're not a Blue Jays guy, so that ruffles you the wrong way most of the time going in here. But uh, well, nothing like a Stanley Cup Leafs banner as well. Something that, like, has, probably 98 percent of your listeners weren't alive for. Hasn't had to be updated for a while. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's not so good. And look, one of the reasons obviously to bring you in here, I wanted to post mortem the red blacks and we'll get to that, but I am curious as you sit here and, and, and kind of look at the early returns on the NHL season, you'd probably say that the Leafs and the Oilers coming into the season had the highest hopes, right? Had highest expectations on what they were going to accomplish this year. Leafs right now, for the sake of the good listener who won't hear this until Tuesday morning, the Leafs are five, four, and two, I believe, right now, but appear to be on their way to five, five, and two. Uh, the Oilers also play later tonight. They are, I think, two, seven, and one. They could be three, seven, and one by the time you, good listener, hear this. I'm curious, AJ, which one would you be more worried about right now? Well, I I don't put them in the same category. I apologize. Okay. Like I sure. don't think. And I get it. When you've had the type of regular season success the Leafs have had, I can understand why it's Stanley Cup or bust, but they've won one playoff series with this group. Mm-hmm. I, If you're asking me, okay, you're putting all your money and you get a half a dozen teams that can win the Stanley Cup at the start of the year. Yep. I would have put the Oilers in there, but I would have said Colorado, Dallas, and Vegas. I would have said Carolina and probably Maybe New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. That's that's yeah, who I would I have picked. Yeah. And so I just don't think they're there. Not just because I don't like them. There's <laughs> other teams I don't like yeah. in, in sports. I don't like the Philadelphia Eagles. They're the best team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. I'm a Washington fan. Right. Been a Washington fan since the 80s. <laughs> that's too bad. <laughs> the I don't like the Eagles, but I can sit back objectively and say, okay, you know, probably between them and San Francisco, and they got a better quarterback. Right. So... If I was putting money on one NFC team to win a Super Bowl, I'm putting it on the Eagles, sure. who I do not like. So it has nothing to do with the fact that I don't like the Leafs. Yeah. I just don't like the makeup of the Leafs. And so they've they've added a bunch of guys that don't seem to fit in terms of what they've got. And now they don't really have much of a bottom six. Right. And because they're top guys don't really get it done enough come crunch time. We're going to add a bunch of bottom six guys that, that play physical. Theory, Maybe right? they're going to spread off. out the depth or something. I, I, a so little more it, depth scoring. 
They should they should make the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, I would bet on them to make the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to go very far again. As for the Oilers. Yeah, because the Leafs have their five wins, which is, it's not a great start, but it's not a terrible start yet. The Oilers. Well, they're in the mix. The Oilers have two wins. And you're like, oh my God. And I'm with you. I think the Oilers should be better than the Leafs this year, but they're going to have to dig out of a deeper hole right now. Well, right? they've like, been terrible. It's yeah. not like, like you can talk about the Ottawa Senators and their start and they're four and six. Yeah. And everyone's pushing the panic button here. So there's that. But they're plus three in terms of goal difference. Look at the Oilers. They're deep into negative double digits already. So it's not like they're losing 3-2 in shootouts and they're just losing on a bad bounce or whatever it might be. They've just been bad to start with or without McDavid. Yep. So... Yeah, I don't know what the, the answer is. There's more than the goaltending there in Edmonton, right? Like it, it's, it's goaltending. Easy, it's it's team easy defense. to point at the goaltending, but their teams are getting inside on Edmonton and getting great looks all the time. It's more than the goaltending. Like, it's more than the goaltending. It is a big part of it. It's goaltending. It's yeah. team defense. I, I mean, I don't know. In the end, you've got a coach in Jay Woodcroft with not a ton of experience. Yep. So. I have no doubt, like with guys like that, that come young, hotshot coach, success in the American Hockey League. All right. When things are good, that that's great. Mm-hmm. But how do you handle things when they're not so good? And with both him and DJ Smith right now in different scenarios, yep. DJ's been here longer than Jay Woodcroft right. has been in Edmonton. But in both scenarios... You don't all this in a, in a league where you generally have quite a bit of runway because it's 82 games, not like the NFL. You got 17 games, yeah. you got 82 games. But when you start like this, from an Ottawa perspective, because you've started poorly the last three seasons and have been basically out of it by November each and every season, and in Edmonton's case, you're two, seven, and one, and you've got that much real estate to make up, you basically get somewhere along the lines, they're going to have to have a seven or an eight game win streak right. to make up for this. You look at them and there's been a thing here where you go, well, they're going to have to play at about 104 four point pace to overcome this and you go, they can do that. That's a good enough team to do that. But when it becomes 106 points, 108 point pace, 110 point, like you can't keep flushing these games, right? At some point you're going to have to get something done. So now you're in, in a league that generally gives you more runway, but for these coaches, They've got very little. And and now all of a sudden, the next one, two, three games for both of these teams, and in particular, both of these coaches start to mean more. And I feel like, and I wonder if this has to do with Brady Kachuk's comments, I mm-hmm. feel like when you've got that type of scenario and everyone knows the, the situation around them, everyone knows when a coach is on thin ice, everyone can feel that pressure. Yeah. And all of a sudden those games start to mean so much, whereas it should be about segments, five game segments. But but now it's about individual games. And I feel like from an Ottawa perspective, they're feeling the pressure. I can't speak as much about Edmonton, but yeah, that's Do you think it's Jay mind boggling. Job is in jeopardy right now? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Two seven and one. You start two seven and one with a team that is Stanley Cup or bust. Right. Like they're not, oh, we win a couple of rounds, things are good. Back-to-back years, they lost to the Stanley Cup champions. Yep. And they feel like, they felt like they were close last year against Vegas. And, hey, they win that series against Vegas. I wouldn't have put it past them to win the Stanley sure. Cup with the group that they've got, and right. especially the top guys they've got. So, yeah, and the clock, 
it's kind of ticking there, right? They yep. brought in Jeff Jackson, but you've got Dreisaitl, who's one year away mm-hmm. from unrestricted free agency at the end of this year, and he's one year ahead of Connor McDavid. Right. Everything I heard when I was in Edmonton in the off season, and I spent a couple of weeks there, everything I heard was, oh, you know what? It's it's trending a good way. These guys are going to sign. But mm-hmm. that was last summer. If all of a sudden this team missed the playoffs this year and Dreisaitl's a year out, is he all of a sudden going to sign a five- or a seven-year extension if he believes it's going to be the same old, same old? Yeah. So uh, there's major pressure in Edmonton, and they're, they're going to have to get things turned around and quickly if Jay Woodcroft's going to continue on as head coach. Well, let's talk about DJ briefly before we get into some some football stuff here. I, I'm curious because you're in there every day at TSN 1200, and you get the text messages, right? You you see what people are talking about. You see what the fan base is feeling right now. And this was a group that uh, – a fan base, I think, that was feeling really optimistic coming into this season and not incorrectly, right? Like, we're going to have the new ownership. We've got Jake Sanderson locked up. Like, basically, all the, the – the important pieces are locked up long-term to what appear to be pretty good contracts. It's time. We're going to do this. And then they kind of stumble a bit. And then the Shane Pinto thing happens. And then you get the, suddenly the, the Dadanov trade reemerges and you're getting punished for that. And now you're having to fire the GM. I'm just curious right now, how much, I'm sure it's dimmed some, but I'm curious how much as you're reading the text messages and getting the feedback, has the optimism dwindled over the last couple of weeks, or do, do fans still feel, you know, this this hasn't gotten away from us yet? We're going to be okay. I'm curious what you your take on where the fans are at right now. Yeah, it's hard to gauge sometimes because sometimes the the text box can can have a little bit of everything in there. So there's people that are mad at the world. There's people that loyal till the day they are, die. It's going to be fine. A little more calm. Okay. I I always feel like you need to get a general public's point of view, just talking to average ticket buyers, for example, that go, whether they're season ticket holders or they go to 10 games a year, or maybe they go to two or three games a year and they go and they tell you exactly how they feel kind of just in, in passing in conversation. And And I I feel like that's a better gauge than the text box, which is the hardcore of the hardcore. Like, the hardcores are listening to sports radio, and even only the hardcore of that group is the one texting in, right? It's it's a small group. Yeah, and, and people say they're 25% of the fan base. Yeah. So so if the text box is 25% of the fan base, what and that's mixed, mm-hmm. what's the other 75% of the fan base thinking? And and I think that's important. And, and right now, because it's so early in the season and – I just finished football and soccer, like <laughs> literally, you know, garbage bag day last week. And uh, Atletico Ottawa announced that their head coach is coming back and Carlos Gonzalez last week. And so it feels like for me, in terms of my sporting timeline, mm-hmm. well, I've been engaged in watching the Sens and I've been to one of the games. I haven't done any post games yet. I'm doing a couple later this month. And I feel like that's when I'll truly get a better sense just being in the rink a little bit more and that sort of thing so it's it's hard for me to truly base something just on that just on the hardcore the hardcore Mm -hmm. who are texting in but yeah there's no doubt when you get I mean I heard the chance 
yeah. on Saturday. I wasn't at the game, but I heard the chants mm-hmm. and they're loud because that was my first question. I was I was actually in Sherbrooke. My girlfriend went to Bishops, so I went and watched AUS football Saturday afternoon. It was Bishops against Mount Allison. Okay. And then that night we went for dinner and check in on the score and then later rewatch the game and you hear the chance and it's like, okay, I was wondering, like, is it a hundred people yelling it? Yeah. And it's like, okay, no, this is, it's a pretty sizable part of your fan base. So my, my belief is that, and, and I've, I said this on the radio today, look, if you're Theo Epstein and you come in in Boston and you come in in Chicago and you have all this baggage of the Red Sox and then the Cubs having not won a World Series for eons, right? It was 1908 for yeah. the Cubs, and it was 1918, I believe, for the for the Red Sox. I mean, it was ages ago. It was a World War One era championship. So all of a sudden you've got all these years of baggage. And guess what? You nor all these players that you're with have anything to do with all the Bucky Dent or any of the other <laughs> disappointments that they might have experienced. Yeah. Bartman, whatever sure. it might be. But the reality is, because you're joining the Red Sox, because you're joining the Cubs, you're inheriting that baggage. It's no different with the GM or the head coach in Toronto with the Maple Leafs or mm-hmm. any Canadian team for that matter, since yeah. we haven't seen a Stanley Cup winner in this country since the Habs in 1993. So... For better or worse, yes, Michael Anlauer and Steve Stales just got here literally yesterday, it seems. It's not even two months for Michael Anlauer, and he's probably thinking, what the hell did I get myself into with this (laughs) Dadnov stuff and Pinto and the gambling and and fans yelling fire DJ and, and all this stuff? But that's the reality. They've missed the playoffs six years in a row, and so when you take over in that type of situation, you inherit baggage. And that's that's what they've done here. They've inherited the last six years, and to a certain extent, 30 years, because there's been sure. other painful moments for this franchise. But in particular, the last six years, you've inherited baggage. And there's been a lot of baggage here, because there's been a lot of chaos here. And it feels like the last six to eight weeks for the Ottawa Senators, or in particular, the last two or three it's kind of a microcosm of what we felt over the last six years here. There's just been too much chaos off the ice. So I think the Dorian decision was a step in the right direction. I, I like Pierre. He was always good to me. The reality is there's too many beyond Dadnov, beyond, you know, the fact you're, and that's a pretty big one when you're giving up a first round pick. Yeah. Beyond the Pinto pack cap pickle, as Michael Anlauer continues to refer it. <laughs> As it is a pickle. <laughs> it's a there's too pickle. many moments of chaos. Yeah. Pierre Maguire, Peter McTavish, Trent Mann, Troy Mann, all, and and these are all post Melnick. Yep. So y- you can blame there. Uh, he had a certain sympathy from me about the situation. Yes, he was working before. in tough conditions. Yes, yes, working for a very difficult and demanding owner. Hundred percent. But all these latest transgressions. And and I don't know, everyone's got personality conflicts. Not everyone's going to get along. Yep. But when it's the same person and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, it always goes back to the same per- person. So I think getting rid of some of that chaos is a good thing. There's a reason Steve Stales talked about bringing in stability. 
But like the reality is, I'm sure they'd love to give DJ Smith another 10, 12 games. But if you lose three in a row here and you go to Europe at four and nine, how do you not make a change? Well, and this is uh, we sat here on Sunday when Rob and I were recording uh, our last episode, and I must have checked Twitter 103 times while we were. I was waiting for that shoe to drop. After how Saturday night had gone, I expected this might be the day because they're off till Wednesday, right? You have a bit of a break. Maybe this is the time where they drop DJ. Someone else can get parachuted in here, have a couple days of practice. Were you surprised? Like, was there a part of you who thought it might be Sunday? No, because you know why? Maybe it's a strange theory, but I've seen this in sports before. I... I truly believe because of what happened with the booing and the fire DJ and then Brady's emotional and passionate comments that they weren't going to fire him because I don't think you want to all of a sudden the first moment the fans start booing (laughs) and and start yelling fire DJ if, oh, they're saying fire DJ, I guess we got to fire him. Right. That, That actually made me think that the chances of him getting fired after that game were a lot less than they would have been if they were kind of just a bunch of people that left. Yeah. It's an interesting Through theory. apathy. I, and, and you always hear the, don't listen to the fans or you'll be sitting with them, yes. right, is the old express. And but it's a good one. For sure. But there's also a certain amount of like, you can't just out of spite or stubbornness go like, oh, if they're saying we should do it. Maybe, it's, maybe they're saying it because it's obvious. I, I, think, <laughs> I think with Brady's comments in particular, let's go back to 72 and Esposito. Because yeah. that's been, and again, that's before my time. Sure. So I don't want to hear people that, <laughs> well, that's before. This is I during was, the Before I was born yeah, here, too. Canada, Russia, you, you before need, they go to, yeah. You need to have context. You need to learn about sports that 100%. were before your time as yep. well. So I, I get frustrated and shake my head on that. Yeah, I wasn't born either. Still a pretty important moment in this country. 100%. So Espo, and, and again, if you lived it, I think you'd have a little bit more context about how you were feeling personally. Maybe you're sitting at home, wherever you were in Canada and Winnipeg, watching that game and you're booing the TV. You're not happy. Yeah. But I don't know. I watched those four games 25 years later. So Yeah, and in hindsight, we get to watch it going what we want. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> so all of a sudden, Espo's comments where he's dealing with the booing yeah. and talking passionately and emotionally ab- about how they're trying and doing their best and saying we don't really deserve to be booed. All of a sudden, it like they sound like the most amazing comments ever yes. 50 years later after the fact when you know they won and he played a big role in that. <laughs> so I'm curious to see. Here we go. We got three games before they go to Europe. You got Toronto, Vancouver, and Calgary. I want to see how they respond. I want to see how these three games they look. They're gonna sounds like they're gonna have Zub back. Yeah. So that's that's good because they're clearly a lot better team with them than without them. And if you beat Toronto specifically on Wednesday, that's a the fan base is happy. Yes. Fuck the Leafs, all that stuff. That goes a long way to help turning the mood around. Is is a is a win over Toronto, right? But if all of a sudden you don't look good in these next two or three games. Yeah. And I, I do think you need to kind of look, okay, how do you look Wednesday, Thursday against Vancouver, who's one of the hottest teams yeah. in the league, and then you, you host Calgary. Well, you better, get, you better get some points out of this, multiple and probably three plus. Right. And, and at least kind of stem the tide, go to Europe. To me, you got to find a way to get 
at least three wins out of the next five. And if you don't even have that chance, like let's say you go 0-2 and 1, yeah. then I, I think it's possible that the move is made even before they head to Europe. I mean, maybe not. I don't know what their logistics are in terms of when they leave, but... Well, TJ might fly over with the team and then have some vacation time to tour Norway and Sweden and Finland after yeah. that last game. <laughs> It's tough to leave him behind, but <laughs> when I listen to DJ Smith, I, I really root for him because I think personally this is a good human being. There's a reason they love playing for him. Yeah. But in the end, results based business. 100%. Here we are, year five. They've started poorly the last three seasons and, and now it's four. Yep. And and November in particular has been terrible. And if that doesn't change and change quickly, even if they all like, even if they let's say went eight and twelve, and they kept him, and they made a serious run, mm-hmm. and let's say they made the playoffs as an eight seed, right? What kind of belief do you have next year that things are going to be different out of the gate, right? When they've been so bad every year out of the gate, so four and six isn't the worst thing in the world. I right. think if if you didn't have the baggage. The baggage from but, but you do, I get you it. Do. But if yep. you didn't, yep. you'd be like four and six, it's not great, but we're not out of it, no big deal. But because there's all this baggage and they keep making the same mistakes that we've seen year after year, you can understand why the fan base feels like they did. So and and, and on that, like I have no problem with the fans booing. Yeah. I also have no problem with what Brady Kachuk said. No. You you don't get to cherry pick what traits that you want from Brady Kachuk at which times. And the reality is those comments were emotional, passionate, and loyal. Loyal to his head coach. I want a captain that's emotional, yeah, we talked passionate, about that here, right? like, and loyal. He has the currency with this fan base to do that once or twice. You can't do it all the time. No. You can't go to no, that bag too often. No, you can't be coming often. back on Thursday. Right. And ripping the fans <laughs> and again. And it again. No. But he has that currency with the fan base yeah. to go, come on. And he's not calling, like, he's frustrated, clearly. Yeah. And so he's like, and. But he's loyal. Yeah. And you know what? I'd rather have a captain that's loyal and standing up for his teammates yeah. and his coach than someone that's throwing him under the bus. But not every captain or not every player would be able to do that. Brady can do that. He can stand up the one time. And, and I think you got to understand the context of the quotes. Like you're saying, he's being protective of his coach, who the players do genuinely seem to like. And he's, he's saying, like, and the bullshit coming out there. He's not calling the fans bullshit. It's just the way guys talk, yeah. right? It, it's it was yeah, that was bullshit. Like, you know, it wasn't this good. It, I, yeah, I'm glad he feels that 100%. way. Now rally the troops together yeah. and play better, right? And help save this guy's job. Yes. Simple as that. <laughs> uh, why don't we move off the sends? There's a few different things I want to ask you about here, and and maybe we'll get to the Red Blacks in a second. I wanted to ask you just briefly because I know you follow Canadian soccer as closely as just about anybody I know, and I'm I'm curious whether or not you were caught off guard by Christine Sinclair announcing that, you know, I, I I did my best to help the team qualify. We got that done. And now is the time I'm going to step away. And you've, you've come this far into another quadrennial. You're, the Olympics are right on the horizon, but she chooses this moment to say, no, I'm going to play a couple games at home here. I think it was Montreal, Halifax, and there's going to be two out in, in, in BC, I believe, uh, before the end of the year. She's going to play those. And then that will be it for her stint with the national team. She is not going to go to Paris 2024. Were you surprised at all by the timing of, of her saying, yeah, that's enough for me. I'm, I'm going to go now. No, because she looks 40 now. Like yeah. that's, and father time catches up to everybody. And it's clearly caught up to Christine Sinclair. 
the most accomplished soccer player in the history of this country, mm-hmm. man or woman, and so much to be thankful about and, and how she helped carry the game forward over the course of the last 20 years. I was there in Edmonton when they had the U19s. That was like 2002, I think. Right? Yeah. That was, yeah, incredible. I remember watching that, she, the, the Canadian junior women's team. Or yeah, whatever. Canada, U.S. Yeah. And that kind of spurred on a rivalry between Canada, U.S. and women's soccer Yeah, over the course of the last couple of decades. And what she's done in building the women's game, building soccer in this country, I mean, you can't even put words to it. She's an absolute legend All-time goal of the game. leader in FIFA. It's yeah, all these so things. fantastic career, but I, I think she realized. I mean, it was time. There, she wasn't a starter on this team anymore. She mm-hmm. could play a bit part role off the bench, but even still, like she, she looked like she was forty years old, and that's that's fine. Right. That's that's not meant as a criticism. No. But it, it was definitely time, and I, I think she knew for this program to truly go forward again. Like it, it's got to be difficult. It's not unlike like Cristiano Ronaldo. Right. He's not a starter on Portugal anymore, and you, you look at the you look at the World Cup, and they were better when he wasn't playing than when he was on the pitch, and he's still a damn good player. Sure, and putting up good numbers in the Saudi league and making a whole shit Decent ton of money. money. Yeah, but the the reality is, it's it leads to issues in the sense of like if you're the coach, how do you handle that situation when? There's a bunch of fans there, and I'm thinking of the Portugal situation, that are all there to see Cristiano Ronaldo. So right. when he doesn't start, it's a big story. And all of a sudden, he's asked a million questions when it's as simple as, he's not one of our best 11. We're not right. the best team we can be when he's on the pitch. He can help us for 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. And so the same type of issues arise, and I don't think – that has nothing to do with ego or anything like that. It's just a very difficult situation when you've got the also, most legendary all, player in the history of this country. And even in the locker room, right? Like all those players grew up idolizing, whether it be Ronaldo or Christine Sinclair yeah. in this case or whatever. And so they're watching her not start and it's probably a little uncomfortable, right? It's There's probably new, awkward for Whoever everybody. the next captain is going to be. Like all these sorts of things, you're just sort of like, this person's still in the room. Like I... There's no ill will there. There's nobody doing anything untoward, but it's a little uncomfortable. I would have to imagine. Yeah, so they'll be, for a while I was worried, and I'm still a little bit worried about who's going to take the mantle. I mean, Janine Becky's a different type of player. Mm -hmm. She's more of a creator, goal creator, than goal scorer. Not that she can't score. Right. And, you know, hopefully she's going to be back and ready to go uh, in, in time for... Paris 2024. It certainly looks like she is, so that's certainly good news. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's not – there's there's no one that's just going to take the mantle and be Christine Sinclair. They've got a lot of great players, Jesse Fleming. Um, you, you look at defenders like Ashley Lawrence and Kadisha Buchanan. So there's, there's a lot of players that have won gold and have been a part of this mm-hmm. team for a long time that can be leaders, but not in the same way that she could grab a game and just – score a boatload of goals for you <laughs> at the right possible time. So it'll, it'll be fascinating to see how they, where they go from here. I mean, Heidema scored the last game, which is certainly good news. They've got 
some decent strikers, but again, no one that's going to carry the type of weight that Christine Sinclair did in her prime. So all the best to her. Yeah. Great that, uh, you know, these games in December are going to sell out as well. I know the ones in Montreal and Halifax did. And, um, what a great way for her to go out, uh, just getting the type of tour that she deserves at the end of her career. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, I think she said in her press conference there that she knew she wasn't, uh, she knew in Tokyo 2021, she wouldn't play another Olympics. Because yeah. how do you top that, right? An Olympic gold medal. Look, yeah, I'll play in the World Cup. We'll see if we can do better than we historically have. I'm going to help. If it, I'll give whatever I can to help qualify us again for that. But I've got an Olympic gold medal at my last ever Olympics. Why would I risk that again? Or why would I go? And so there's some logic to that as well. So Yeah, uh, big month for Canada soccer here because Copa qualifiers. And, and this, this is a huge deal for the men. They've played in two major tournaments. That's it. They played in two World Cups. I don't view the Gold Cup as a major tournament, and clearly the teams playing in the Gold Cup don't view that as well because Canada and the U.S., for example, didn't even send their their best players to the last Gold Cup. But next summer, United States is hosting, and it's the 10 South American teams and the six that qualify from CONCACAF. Uh, So you're going to be playing against the top players from Brazil against Messi and the defending World Cup champions from Argentina. If you qualify, they need to qualify. Six from eight are getting in. You got two chances. First chance home and away against Jamaica, November 17th and 21st, and I'll be there. Okay. Both legs, baby. In Jamaica. In Kingston, Jamaica, yeah, that'll nice. be That's not a bad that'll be country number thirty-seven for me. So this was the the one of the things I wanted to ask you about as well was what was what lied ahead for you in terms of your sports travel or just your travel in general because we're wrapping up another CFL season. I know it's hard for you to disappear during the CFL season. You got the Atletico stuff happening as well. So we got Kingston, Jamaica. Where's the home leg? Okay, so here's here's my November. Okay, so I go to Grey Cup. On Wednesday of next week. Right. That would be the 16th. Going to the Grey Cup media party. Nice. Then Thursday, after I spend a night in beautiful downtown Hamilton, Hamilton. Ontario, Thursday, fly direct Pearson to Kingston, leg one on Friday, three nights in Kingston. Nice. Fly back Sunday, arrive at about noon, head back to the Hammer, go to the uh, Grey Cup. So this that'll the, be my Sunday. This is the craziest Grey Cup week I've ever heard. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm literally a Grey Cup Wednesday and, and Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, but I miss all the good stuff. <laughs> then leg two is on the Tuesday in Toronto, so I'll stay in the uh, GTA area. And yeah, leg two Canada Jamaica at BMO Field on the 21st. Then on the 25th. Now I've been to, so this will be, I believe it's my ninth Grey Cup. That I'm attending in late November. Uh, I've been to the Super Bowl. I've been to the BCS what, National Championship which game. Super Bowl did you go to? At the Rose Bowl. Oh, that was that was Auburn, Florida State. Which okay. Super Bowl? Um, name one of the most dramatic Super Bowl endings of all time. Oh, is it Giants Patriots? No. Oh, okay. you got one team right. Oh, okay. Well, it's got to be another Patriots. Pa- Patriots. Yeah, yeah. Patriots won. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch didn't get the oh, ball. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Malcolm Butler with <laughs> yeah. the interception. Okay. Yeah. 
That's See, that was in Arizona. Yeah. See, so that's my Super Bowl. Been to a Super Bowl. Been to a BCS National Championship, which is an amazing game. I'm an Auburn fan. They lost to Florida State at the Rose Bowl, but that game was back and forth. I think there was like four lead changes in the fourth quarter. It was wild. Um, going to my first Vanier Cup. It's in Kingston this oh, year. nice. Okay. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, so that's essentially my November. Then nothing until February. Hmm. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If you like to travel... No better time than right now in the next handful of months until early March. But it's it's basically November, December, January, February, and like a handful of days of March. Air Canada. Look, I don't work for Air Canada or anything like that, <laughs> but I'm just trying to help sure. the good listener here. Yeah, yeah. Because I always tell people, like, like, I go to Europe a lot of times because it's cheaper, especially in recent – like, we went to Sherbrooke on the weekend – because my girlfriend, again, yep. Bishop's grad, blah, 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 mm-hmm. went to Sherbrooke. Like, I had to get a corporate rate to get 220 bucks a night. In Sherbrooke, Quebec. If, if, you're, if you're traveling in Europe, especially in these months, like February, I've been multiple times in February. It's, it's, plus, it's 8 to 13 degrees, depending on where you go. Right. It's, it's relatively pleasant. Yep. You're... Okay, you're wearing a jacket. So be it. Yep. I don't need to be on the beach. <laughs> Flying to Amsterdam, but there are flights to Barcelona, Madrid, uh, all over France and Amsterdam on Air Canada for less than 400 return. Wow. You can't like, get you can't get to Edmonton. No, for that. it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely like it's ridiculous in a good way. Yeah. But like when you see the hotel prices in the United States and Canada versus Europe, where you can get a good four-star hotel in central, at that time of year, in like central Amsterdam, Rotterdam, sure. Cologne, some of the other places we're going, under 150 a night. Wow. Like, why Why wouldn't you take advantage yeah. of something like that, even if you're going like a week? So you've clearly got something on the go on February. February, yeah. Where are you headed? Uh, so it'll be... Probably a third Netherlands, a third Switzerland, a third Denmark. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So I've got a rule. I'm kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> I've got a rule that if I fly <laughs> overseas, I have to at least add another country. And because we're flying into Amsterdam, it doesn't really make sense to go somewhere other than like Western Europe. Right. Well, I'm, I've hit all the Western European nations that are mainland with the exception of the micro states like Andorra, sure. Gibraltar, and maybe I'll get to those later, but some like of them aren't really easy to get to <laughs> no, either. Exactly. And then I'm missing like Luxembourg and Switzerland. Okay. So it's probably going to be, it could be Luxembourg, but it's probably going to be like three, four nights in Switzerland. Switzerland is a, is on my list. Like I'm not a good it, traveler. It looks I'm like, like a great list. Yeah. It's also expensive. Okay. Like that's one place in Europe that is like I'm not big on twenty five dollar beers, and I feel no. like that's what you're getting there. Okay, see we've Maybe had Paul Romanuk on the on the pod a bunch of times, and he has told me over and over and over. He goes, "You over glorify the World Juniors. You have to go to the Spangler Cup. You will love just get up and go." Which is great. It's on. When it's on somebody else's dime, hundred percent, sure. That's the like. I I actually look so. By the way, and this is the thing, I'd love to go to that arena. Yeah, yeah. So I I was looking into the. Oh, great! There's a there's like three Davos games when I'm there. Mm-hmm. There's also like 
no night in Davos in February where you can get any kind of reasonable three-star hotel for less than 475 yeah, a night. Site. Yeah, like everybody's going to Davos. So, in, uh, yeah, it's I, and- I would much prefer to stay in Lucerne yeah. or, or in Zurich mm-hmm. for 150 and and deal with the all the twenty five dollar beers or whatever else my my hundred dollar fondue or whatever that's why like it's gonna be a short stay I'd love it to be longer sure but it's gonna be like six nights in the Netherlands and probably like five nights in in Denmark and then the rest will be Switzerland but look I'm sure it's beautiful yeah. I just like I'm budget conscious as well of course and I think a lot of people especially inflation and everything. Or budget conscious. That's why I had to bring up this deal and the fact yeah. that it's like literally under four. Like I, I'm going to be talking about this deal for years. <laughs> I'm going to be like 75 years old in a home talking about how I flew to Europe for under 400 return. You know what? I believe that. I believe that's possible. But uh, well, it's a given. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> uh, I love a good deal. <laughs> And you're not going to get any deals in Switzerland, but I'm still going to go because I want to have fondue and chocolate and and cheese and whatever the, uh, the Zercher, there's some sort of Zercher thing that you're supposed to eat and then, uh, get a hockey game and a soccer game in and go move on. Uh, why don't we move on over to the Red Blacks? There's a bunch of different places we could start. Why don't we start with the most recent thing that the Red Blacks have made news on here? And that is GM Sean Burke announcing that. Head coach Bob Dice will be back. I don't know how shocking of news that was. Like, if you want to preach stability, it would be hard to turn over another head coach this quickly. But what was your reaction to the news that that Dice would be back? And and were you surprised at all? Not surprised at all. I I got a sense that both Sean Burke and Bob Dice would be back. And and I, I truly believe it's the right move. We'll find out next year. Yeah. Like the hot seat is probably turned up for for both of them. Yes. Especially how this past year went. The one thing I'll say is this team has not had continuity. No. And you look, okay, so you had a real bad 2019 season. They wanted, Osig wanted to bring Marcel and Rick back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marcel was good with that, but Rick was not. And Rick was kind of in pick him or pick me mode. And because it was pick him or pick me, it wasn't so much they were picking Marcel over Rick. It was more they were picking the guy that was happy to have both of them back rather than one. Sure. And so in the end, they went with Rick. Or sorry, they they went with Marcel. Yeah. I think you can objectively say, and I like both men, that, you know, Rick's in the Western final. Yeah. And was there last year. And Marcel's out of the league. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't do great things here, but I think they got that one wrong. So that happened. Mm-hmm. And look, I understand the OSEG explanation for it. If you want to bring both back and only one of them wants <laughs> that same scenario, well, it's a lot easier to make that decision than the other one. Sure. And picking your coach over your GM. So anyways, so Rick and Marcel, 2019, didn't work, three wins. Next year, Marcel and Paul LaPolice, three wins, didn't work. Marcel gets fired. 
next so year. COVID is 2020, and it, it gets blanked out completely. Yeah, COVID, you know, it. no so, season. Yeah. yeah, 2021 is the... Three-win season. Yeah, yeah. 2022, okay, now it's Sean Burke. He keeps Paul Apolis. Mm-hmm. Four wins, didn't work. Now it's Sean Burke and Bob Dice. Four wins, didn't work. So this is the first time after a bad season that both coach and GM are coming back. And it's GM in year three and coach in year two, which you look at Winnipeg and Kyle Walters took over as general manager. And then the next couple of years, they won 12 games with Walters and Mike O'Shea. Yeah. And then they had the great four-year stretch that we've seen where they've won two great cups, got to another, and now they're hosting another Western Finals. Mm-hmm. So it's been a great four-year stretch after they stuck with those guys, but they, they have to improve. Like, you, you, can't, you can't sell another four or five win. I don't, I don't even think a lot of fans are going to be sold on the fact that there's continuity. I get it. They're no, pissed off. Much like the Sens. Right? Like look, much like the Sens. Yeah. You inherit, like Sean Burke, Yes, he's been here two of those four years, but that doesn't mean the other two years didn't exist yeah. because of the fan base, they absolutely existed, and so they're tired of this. They're tired of the fact in four years they've seen 14 wins. But, but I think it's the right move. I think you bring back continuity. Everything I heard going in when it came to Sean Burke, I, I liked what I heard. I like... Just the dealings that, uh, that I see in terms of how Sean Burke handles things, I've, I've liked. I get the results. The end results haven't been there. They have, they have to be better. They have to find better players. They have to, you know, the coaching has to be better, and that's the entire staff. They've already made one move in terms of Kahari Jones not coming back right. as the offensive coordinator. So that's something that clearly needs to be fixed. And then I, I don't even know what they're going to do. Like, to me, okay, if you're keeping the same defensive coordinator, something better be different because that secondary was just – it's the worst secondary I've seen in Red Black's history. Wow. It got a little bit better towards the end. So, I don't look, I just call the damn games. Yeah. I, I've watched football for 40 years. I played for three years. I'm not an X and O's guy. I I can't tell you if the issues were scheme related or personnel related. I ask questions to people and I don't even get like definitive answers. Like when I, because I always ask questions and not just go to OSEG people and ask questions. You, you got to ask questions of people outside the organization sure. to see what they think of the organization and what they're doing. And again, when I ask questions about the secondary and the defense, there's not really a lot of like absolutely here's the problem they need to do this to fix it but yeah i mean next year needs end, to be they, better they started to come around again the the secondary and the, i sort of felt like and, and look you know better than i do I'm, I'm but it sort of felt to me like at the very beginning of the year the d was okay and you were going through this quarterback issue right you you didn't yet have Masoli then yeah. he got hurt right away and then you had Crum and it felt like the defense was holding them in it and then when Crum sort of started to figure it out and get a little more comfortable, the defense sort of went off a cliff. It was sort of, for the D, 
it felt like kind of three chapters this season. I, I sort of thought early on they were okay, then lost it, and then started to kind of build back up towards the end. Well, they were dreadful when it mattered most yeah, because yes. they got those back-to-back wins, yep. which were such, there is such a breath, breath of fresh air it's because so we hadn't fun. Yeah. really experienced anything like that over the last four years. No. They get the crumb back against Winnipeg. Then yes. they go to Calgary and win a shootout. And then now you're 3-3 three and three and there's excitement. And mm-hmm. Okay, so you play Hamilton, game seven. You're down four. You got a second and two from the four, and it was a bad play call. Gary yeah. Jones, not a good play call. And you end up getting nothing on second down. Couldn't punch it in, on, and, and you blew an opportunity. Okay, so be it. Yep. Now you're three and four. But then they went through a stretch in the next few games where they played Mason Fine, Chad Kelly was in there somewhere. That was the 44-31 loss, which was wildly entertaining. But sure. again, the, the secondary couldn't stop a thing. But also in there, you had Trace. the Mason Fine game yeah. against Saskatchewan. You had the Caleb Evans game against Montreal that, where that he blew hurts. a 14-point lead. To your you own had Trey Ford yeah. tearing you apart in Edmonton. Yep. And then you had Taylor Powell on, I believe, three days rest. Oh, yeah. Helping beat them. In Ottawa, so they had this four-game stretch where they're playing a bunch of backup and third-string quarterbacks. Ford's the starter in Edmonton, I get it, but still a young guy, and they tore you apart. And that's where you realized realized, this is just awful. Like, just not good enough from a defensive standpoint, and and it cost them the season. And there are certain things in there that help cost them that. Like, I didn't like the Bob Dice decision to kick a field goal yeah. In Saskatchewan. There's there's other decisions. I mean, Bob Dice kicking the field goal in BC. I, although Brendan Galanders came on the radio and, and defended the, the decision. And so I had to at least listen to the other side. And I think it brought a different perspective. So I don't agree with some of the people that say that the coach lost them five games. I think there's, there's probably three moments. The Saskatchewan one for sure. You, you can't kick the field goal there. He, he needed to, and I don't know if they win the game anyways, but he needed to at least call the timeout late against Montreal when that game was falling away. You, you would have at least got yourself 20 more seconds offensively. And then the, I thought bigger, and again, this maybe comes back to why Kahari Jones is out. I thought the biggest, the most egregious decision in BC was just the decision in general in the fourth quarter to be so conservative when they had torn it up offensively for three quarters. And then they packed it in for the fourth quarter, essentially, and two and out, two and out, two and out, predictable, same type of plays. And, and then, okay, you're still in a good spot. You're up 10. Okay. Should he have kicked the field goal in hindsight? Probably not. But what if you punt the ball and they kick, yep, return it for a right touchdown? Yeah, it's yeah. it's everyone's going to say, well, why didn't you go for it right. and kick the field goal <laughs> or whatever? I mean, bottom line is it wasn't their year. They have to be better next year. And it's the amazing a big job. The, it's a big like they're not close right now. And well, maybe, I I don't maybe, know if they aren't. Well, though. so let me ask you this: just before we start to look forward, let me yeah. look back for one more question. I want to talk about how. How different this team would have been if Jeremiah Masoli is healthy. I don't know. And that's I, it. This I have no the, idea. Like I, we, you end up. He didn't Nick look Arbuckle, that great in a quarter. In a quarter, I, no, I, he, I no mean, he didn't. He, but he looked like 
You're down to your he was just off the couch. quarterback, right? Like, For sure. No, and, and so the criticisms that you have brought up here of Bob Dice are legit. Those are decision making. You are in this position right now. You got to make a better call. I understand that, but I do wonder: Does Masoli get you an extra two wins? Does he get you no more? I have wins? no idea. Is there more confidence? That's the thing. Yeah, because he didn't look and and. Look, if you're getting Jeremiah Masoli from the first four games last year, then absolutely you're getting more wins, multiple. But I have no idea what Jeremiah Masoli looks like if healthy in week 10. Sure. Based on how he looked in the game he appeared in Hamilton where he looked like he was just off the couch. Right. And I get it. It's not a criticism of Masoli. He came off a major injury. With multiple complications in the recovery. So... So I have no idea if he was going to be yeah. the answer or not. And that makes but, it so hard to look forward. Like, I don't know how close these guys are with a healthy quarterback. Well, you you, yeah, like, you have to bring somebody in, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. I My opinion, for whatever it's worth, is... And, I, and it's not an easy thing, because I think Dustin Crum did a lot of good things. Yeah. But I, I don't think... Do you honestly think, if you're a fan... Are you okay with Dustin Crum, Tyree Adams, and Jeremiah Masoli coming in as your three quarterbacks next year when two of them yeah. aren't ready to play right now? Yeah. And one of them has only played like options? two games in like, the who league. Who are you going to go get? Like it's Well, I mean, Drew Brown's a guy yeah. in, in Winnipeg. I guess so. I, I just – man, I, I look at that and I, I like I don't know – how good or bad this offensive line is because Dustin Crum is holding on to the ball early yeah. on, especially too long, right? So what what was their fault? What's his fault? What's the young? Qu- I don't have the like, answer. Yeah, for that like either. these are these are when you start to project forward, you go, I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I do know this in the CFL, you can turn things around in a hurry. 100%. We saw that with Ottawa, but we saw it even with Toronto. Like Toronto, the last three years been really good. Yeah, they were awful. Oh yeah, the two years previous. So. You can turn it around in a hurry in this league. They have to turn it around because there have been four-year stretches of football, amazingly enough, that have been worse than this. 93 to 96 and 86 to 89 right. both had a crappier Super win percentage or than, than, than these four years. But if you bookend those and you say, okay, 92, which it's not, you can't go the other way because 93 to 96 was so bad, <laughs> along with everything else, it was the end of the franchise. Yeah. Same with the Renegades, who, by the way, won 23 games, not 14, in, the, in their four years. Rough when you're looking but up if, at the Renegades. If you look 86 to 89 on both sides, they had at least seven wins on the other side in 85 and 90. So to me, and look, I'm not saying seven wins would be exactly what this franchise needs. <laughs> Let's plan a parade for their seven-win season. But, like, that's the bare minimum next year. Yeah. Anything else, and you're saying, well, what the hell? Anything else, you're maybe saying this is the worst five-year stretch in Ottawa football history, other than oh 1928 to 1932, <laughs> where the team won one game out of the 30 that they played. They were 128-1. and one. Between 1928 and 1932. I don't want to be referencing 1928 to 1932 on my broadcast next year. I think that's fair. Uh, Yeah, it's just been a, it's, it's been such a hard year, but I feel like when you look forward, it's a difficult year to, to 
predict what you need to go and do, right? Because yeah. of the injuries, because like not only does it have to get better, you don't have a lot of really solid intel to be building off of as you try to improve. Like I don't even know where I'd start. I, well, I, as you said, I, I understand bringing in, a, but like Drew Brown is not a proven starting quarterback. He's looked I, really good when I like. But, but you had Sean Burke on the radio there yeah. last week, and I thought you had a really good interview before you started letting the callers in. But that's that's how that works. Uh, and and Burke, he said he's made it clear to Jeremiah Masoli, yeah, next year. You're probably going to have to fight for it a bit, right? Like, you are not just going to be anointed the number one guy. So, obviously, they're prepared to look in a different direction if need be. Which I think, as a fan, you have to be excited would be overstating it. But happy to hear that there's no more just, yeah, you're the guy. Whoever's playing best is going gonna, is gonna to get the ball in game one. I, I don't know how Drew Brown isn't a starter in the Canadian Football League okay. with what I've seen. Yeah. Like, to me, this is... Not just Nick Arbuckle. Like you look at his numbers, you look at how he performed. Every time I watch that guy play, he's balling out. So I think he's ready to be a starter. Um, so how many other I, teams will be looking to pluck him? Right. Well, like, BC's going to be the same, I would think. Calgary's going to be the same, I would think. Yeah. Saskatchewan, I don't know what they do. I mean, Toronto's Trevor Harris. Gonna, yeah, Toronto's going to be happy with Chad they're, Kelly. They're, Saskatchewan's paying Trevor Harris, yes. so I think he's going to be back. Yeah, Edmonton, I think. Probably happy with Trey Ford, but right. I don't know. Would they bring in a Drew Brown there? Clearly, Winnipeg is happy with Calaro. So, yeah, yeah. and then you got Toronto. I mean, I think Montreal is happy with Fajardo. We got him to the East Final. Yeah. So, Hamilton's an interesting one because I don't know. They've got three quarterbacks, and I don't know if they've got one starter in the bunch there. So that, <laughs> and I don't mind Schultz, but Bo looks like he's done. And yeah. Taylor Powell actually showed some good things as well. So I don't know what they do, but to me, Drew Brown is legit. Um, I look at the old line. The tackles weren't good enough. I think inside they were good. They were good running the football, but I don't think the tackles were good enough. So I, I don't know. You've invested, you brought in Pelios and Bull back to back as, First round picks, high first round picks, and right now that still has more questions than answers. Yeah. So there's that. I think they need a game breaker in terms of their receivers. I don't. I don't know if they have one. I like some of their receivers, but I think they need better slotting and a game breaker there. Right. And then on defense, just better in the secondary. And again, going back to what I was saying before, was it personnel? Was it? scheme was it both I don't have the answer to that in terms of what the issues in the secondary were especially when I'm asking people but at the very least if as of right now Baron Miles is still the defensive coordinator so if he's back you better bring in different personnel because the combination didn't work no for a large portion of the season you signed off on the coaching on the scheme you better have different personnel to pull it off then like that's what you're telling the fans but but I will say this like they still like they're they're millimeters away and self inflicted. I get it mm-hmm. from sweeping Winnipeg and BC. You only played them once each, yeah. but you beat Winnipeg and you're very close to beating BC. So look, you're zero ten against the East, which is unacceptable. Cool. Yeah. You haven't won an Eastern home game since the 2018 East Final, which I don't even have a word oh to God. describe that. <laughs> But I feel like it's not like you have to completely rebuild everything. There are pieces there. You just have to find certain things along the lines that are going to make some of those brutal 
three-point, one-point, five-point losses into victory. So it's not like you lost 42-7 to every week. No. Uh, Three Down Nation had something out, um, I think it was a week ago or so now, that said attendance across the league was up this year, but was down here in Ottawa. Yeah. Are you concerned about that? Because Red Blacks fans have been remarkably patient, um, and we talk all the time on this show about how much fun it is on a Friday night down at TD Place, right? The, The game ops people do a great job. The vibe is fun to be there. But at some point, at some point, you're going to have to get me some home wins. Yes. And so attendance has started to tick down in a, in a noticeable way. It's not yet at a, oh my God, they're in huge trouble kind of place like the, the Argos had been for so long, or, you know, you can point to different places over the, over the course of the years, but how worried are you A, about the attendance ticking down and what kind of, it's going to be a tough sell for season tickets over this winter like it, it, to get even that many people back in next year. Well, one good thing, they actually won more home games this year than road games. They were 3 and 6 at home. So that it's a step in the right Super. direction at least. Yeah. Um concerned. Mildly. Look, it's trending in the wrong direction, yeah. but it's trending in the wrong direction for a reason. Because they keep losing. Yep. You've won 14 games in four years. So do I think they're going to have an easy sell this offseason in terms of going out and trying to sell season tickets? I don't. I know in terms of, like, there are games this year where they were sold out of 25 35 and $45 tickets. Right. But I don't think they cracked 21000 for any of their games. So... Uh, there are at least 4,000 empty seats at every game, yeah. even when there's games. So that leads you to believe, okay, the people that are coming to have a beer, go to the concourse, socialize. Something to do like, on Friday night. They're eight. still coming. Yep. But the hardcore football fan has been pissed off. Yeah. And the only way to make them come back is to win. It's not about talk. It's about action. It's about action on the field. And so... They need a big offseason. I think they need a bigger offseason than they believe they need. They need a big offseason. Like, they had a huge offseason in 2015 when they brought in those five receivers and the left tackle. They need something like that. Toronto had exactly that type of offseason before they got good. Yeah, with a couple of guys that a lot of us would have said were spent. And it turns out they weren't, right? The, the pieces they brought in were names and, and, and football fans in Toronto went, yeah, I'll check that out. I- well, it just helped them on the field. Yeah. That's the bottom line. But, yeah. but, but they need... Winning cells. They, they need a good offseason. They need to win games. I've said it. I'll say it again here. They need... And it doesn't mean that it's acceptable. Oh, we brought in a big musical act so we can go 0-18 and and you'll be happy. No, no, you need both. But I said, after the last four years, they need to bring in a big musical act Mm -hmm. early on in the season, whether it's their home opener or or the Canada Day game. One of the first couple of games said, all right, here's... We're bringing in Alanis. Sure. She's, She's coming in. Yep. They're... It's a little bit of a it's a little bit of something for the fans. And and again, it's not going to appease the hardcore football fans that want wins nor should it. Mm-hmm. But at least it's a 
a gesture. Well, BC was doing this, right? They started to bring BC in some, did pretty, it. some pretty Montreal big Montreal did it this year. Shows. Yeah. And look, good karma, and they're both in their respective uh, division finals. True. So there you go. Yeah. Not that you do that and all of a sudden snap your fingers. <laughs> good karma, we're going to be in the yeah. East final again. But to me, that's another thing they can do. But beyond that, it's just win games. Simple as that. And it's not that simple. Otherwise, you'd snap your fingers sure. and they do it. And I don't agree with the people that say, oh, they don't care about this. They just care about condos and Lansdowne 2.0. And look, they're, they're going to be here for the long haul. That's why Lansdowne 2.0 is is on the table here because they want to be here for the long haul. And right now, the situation there, it's it's that arena's. I've been here since 2003. It probably needed to be replaced in 2005. Right. And cause I've seen enough times in there where there's a pile, there's a 67s practice with Brian Kilray and there's a pylon by one of the dots because it's and a bucket. Don't <laughs> skate here because there's a leak here. Like I saw a big delay this year in a CEBL game because a bucket was on the floor and a leak like that, that place we can't broadcast games from up top anymore because it's condemned. <laughs> like the place needed to be shut down years ago. Right. And so it, it's a problem that has to be dealt with one way or the other. But I, I like the fact back to kind of like the whole point about the CFL and attendance being up and yeah. the league has actually never been in a better place in terms of ownership. You've got community ownership in Saskatchewan, Win- Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and things are really good in both markets. Edmonton, uh, you know, the, the losing has affected things there. Sure. But much like Rick Lawlisher was brought in to, to find a new owner, and he basically hit it out of the park finding Amar Dolman with the BC Lions, uh, essentially that's what he's been entrusted to do in Edmonton as well. So once that is solved... You've got Doman, who's lights out, home run, grand slam in terms of what he's done with the BC Lions. You got the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Group, loads of money. You got MLSE. Uh, at least they, like the ugly, ugly at least they seem to be engaged yeah. and invested in the product now, which I don't think has always been no. the case. So that's a good thing. You've got Pelado in Montreal. You've got Bob Young, and you've got the Oseg Group. So. You've got a league where you look around and you say, wow, like when they get this Edmonton situation solved, a lot of the fires are pretty much put out. Yeah, the league Usually is there's like three or four fires going on at the sure. same time. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be fine. I think eventually, look, they're not going to keep winning three and four games for 10 years straight, at least. God help me if they do. Yeah, but I'm write down the date and time you said that. Yeah, just. but... <laughs> They're going to get this figured out. The The hockey team is one of the best in junior hockey. They run things the same way. And eventually when you run things the right way, but make a couple of bad decisions, eventually you'll get it turned around. Right. So I truly believe they will get it turned around. They're paying for some of those bad decisions right now. And when you make even one or two bad decisions at that level, sometimes it costs you for this long. But uh, – they got it right with a hockey team. They're a well-oiled machine, the 67s. Yep. One of the best-run uh, organizations in all of the Canadian Hockey League. And I, I truly believe 
they'll get it right here with the Red Blocks, but hopefully sooner rather than later they put together a respectable season, and hope that's got to be next year. It has to be. Uh, what do you think of this final four? We got the East and the West final set here now as we're uh, we're coming down to the to the stretch run towards the Grey Cup. What what's your interest level in these two matchups? Yeah, no, I I think it's gonna, I'm I'm going to give a boring answer. I think it's going to be Toronto and Winnipeg again. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. BC's a funny team because BC on their day can beat anyone if Vernon Adams Jr. is playing like he did last week. Mm-hmm. How cold is it going to be in Winnipeg? I mean, he's played around the league. He played in Montreal. He should be able to handle that no matter what happens. I I think Winnipeg is built just with the running game and Brady Oliveira to play in cold weather football if it's nasty in Winnipeg this weekend. But, man, BC's a wild card. That being said, I'm going with the the sure thing. So I'm I'm going with Winnipeg. And then – I'm going to pick Toronto to lose at some point. I'm just not going to pick them to lose this just weekend. Not, just not yet. Okay. It's 16-0 New England Patriots. They lost to the Giants. <laughs> yeah. 73-win Golden State. They lost to Cleveland. Bruins last year didn't even get out of the first round. Right. Uh, Seattle Mariners, my team, 116 wins. Didn't get to the World Series. And uh, Edmonton Eskimos, 1989. I was at that West Final that year. The only other 16-win team in CFL history, and they got upset by a 9-9 Saskatchewan team, <laughs> 38-28, as Saskatchewan went on to win one of the most dramatic Grey Cups ever over Hamilton back in 89. So doesn't matter the sport. MLS as well, the best regular season history team in, in regular season history, didn't win as well. So MLS, CFL, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, teams with the best records in all of those leagues have never won a championship. I don't know why. Sports are so stupid. It's crazy, isn't it? But I feel like Toronto's going to lose just because of that. Yeah. Like, at some point you say, well, there's a trend here. Yeah. The script says they should win, so they're not going to win. They're they're going to lose at some point. So, otherwise, I would pick Toronto to beat both. Yeah. I really would because I do think they're the best and deepest team everywhere. I worry about them. The The thing about Toronto versus the other teams, now Montreal would be in this boat as well, if the quarterback gets hurt. Like last year, the quarterback got hurt and Chad Kelly came in and saved the day. Yep. Cameron Dukes, I think, has shown he can be serviceable, but as I talked about earlier with Drew Brown, that guy's legit, mm-hmm. ready to be a starter. If it's BC, Dane Evans... He's at least serviceable mm-hmm. and, and has been in big games before, whereas if all of a sudden it's Cameron Dukes against Zach Kalaros in the Grey Cup. You're not feeling as good about that. No. <laughs> I think that's understandable. But I'm going to say Toronto against Winnipeg, and I'll pick the Bombers to win. Okay. Uh, last thing for you, because yeah. I know you have some experience in this matter. Uh, I'll remind the good listener that Lever Sage back in here Thursday morning. He's now the uh, the regular on Thursdays here on Talking yeah. Audio. I know you know that AJ. Any tips? Any advice on how to <laughs> how to keep that guy in check? How to how to keep him wrangled in, in check? <laughs> he's just uh, off just, doing his own thing. I'll ask him something. Just easy. throw him <laughs> a, the odd bone about wrestling every once in a while. <laughs> oh, see, I'm a big wrestling nerd too. I got there time for that. But the go. listener is going to disappear quickly. So. <laughs> It's uh, it's been fun. Any advice on how to handle Mr. Versage? No, or no, 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 no one's um, figured it out yet. <laughs> Just go with the flow. Okay, go with the flow, and everything should be great. Uh, I appreciate you coming in here. You know, I always appreciate you making some time for me, and uh, 
I, I look forward to hearing about these travels coming up and uh, I know you got big things. I, I got a friend heading out, uh, I guess leaving on Saturday or Sunday, going down to Santiago, Chile for the, uh, oh. para Pan Am games. Very so cool. She's going to compete there. I know you've been there for, uh, for some soccer. Any? No, I've never been to Oh, I thought you'd been to Chile. Santiago. Okay. No, I've only been, only, uh. South American country I've been to is Colombia. Okay. That's what I had in my back pocket there. I'm mistaken on that anyway, but, uh. Yeah, that was one of those trips where, again, like I was saying before on the travel, how I only go to Europe. If I'm going to Europe, I have to add to my country list. Sure. That was one where, okay, I'm going to El Salvador because I was going to see Canada play El Salvador. Right. And it was, it was early 2022. And I wanted to go, like, I didn't want to fly back on a Thursday and go to work Friday and have the weekend. I'm like, no, I, I'm going to go somebody somewhere else. Sure. And I was looking for places where you can at least get a direct, because you still had to get testing and all that stuff. So right, was, right, right. where can I get a direct flight in South America back to Toronto? And Bogota, you could. So okay. I decided, you know what? And I, I found a good flight from San Salvador to Medellin, two nights there, went to a soccer game, two nights in Bogota, went to a soccer game, and then flew back to Toronto. So, okay. so you still you go. got a few countries down in South America to check Oh, yeah, no, I've only hit Colombia. Yeah. So I've got, I got a lot. I mean, essentially, I've got Canada, U.S., Mexico, and a couple in the Caribbean. Right. El Salvador, Costa Rica, Jamaica will be 37, Dominican. Colombia, Qatar in Asia, and the yeah. rest are all in Europe. Okay. So I've got a lot of the world to see yet. Uh, I know you'll keep us posted as you do. Come in here and, and share the tales with us. So Yeah, uh, I'll be at 38 by February for sure. Love so. that. So uh, appreciate you coming in, AJ, always. Uh, thanks for making the time. We'll wind this one down here. For the good listener, like I said, we're back on Thursday. Uh, Lever Sage will be here to... I don't know, pontificate about something. And uh, Friday morning, Steve Bunda in here. It's a big fight weekend, AJ. I know you're a big UFC guy. Uh, all kinds of news around the uh, the MMA world right now. Bunda's going to come in and talk all about that. So it's going to be a fun week around here. I hope you'll stick around. Hope you'll subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're hearing us right now. We're on social media, at Tall Can Audio. For AJ Jackieback, my name's Matt Robinson. We'll see you Thursday. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?